unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. So, as you guys have noticed all over Twitter and all over Facebook, where I post all our propaganda, tonight we have <laughs> the wonderful Berserk. So, thank you for joining us, sir. Hello, no Mariah Carey. Oh, not a problem. Lady Brain, hello, J.E. Melita. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So, now we really have, like, topic topics. We just want to kind of freeform discuss tonight a lot of the shit that we wind up coming upon and all the different thoughts and theories we have about this wonderful business that we, we know so well. Um, it's not always retail, as we found out when we had the gentleman here the, the other night that worked at the wire mill. So treatment, you know, bad treatment is still bad treatment. So having yeah. said that, uh, sir, introduce yourself to those of them that don't know you, and we'll kind of go from there. I am Berserk on Twitter, uh, basically mostly known for my shit posting, to be frank, uh, <laughs> and just talking smack about everything. But lately, I've been posting more on work stuff, work-related stuff, and giving my experience of being a worker as well as in management of different views of things that are happening right now during this so-called labor shortage. I think it's a capital shortage uh, at the end of the day. And I think it is a shortage of people that were already burned out. Because if you see a lot of things like the Joey Holtz experiment where he applied for how many entry-level jobs? Oh, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. And he got nothing back. But I think if Joey Holes would have been like, hey, I want to be a server or, hey, I want to be a barista or a bartender or a retail clerk or just anything that is, frankly, in the poverty range for a lot of people, he would have gotten so much people messaging him. Like, I haven't even been actively looking for jobs in hospitality, which was what most of my resume was before I do what I do now. And they were sending me messages on LinkedIn chasing after me. And I was just like, no, God, no. Yeah. Uh, You know, all the, through all my years of like different applying for different management jobs I've seen so far, Staples has tried to contact me. Um, CVS <laughs> has tried to contact me. Mm-hmm. Um, just Dollar General will not leave you alone. And I, I worked for Dollar General for 30 days and quit, you know, because they were so terrible. Yet, yet they're still horrible. messaging me, hey, you know, are you interested in this job? No, I'm not. I'm done, no, folks. God, no. Peace out. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is we, they're, propping this up in the media, in my opinion, of a great worker shortage. And yes, there are shortages of workers out there, but it's not for jobs that are going to give you economic mobility. They are for jobs that people have called not real work for since my lifetime. Like they'd say, oh, serving, flipping burgers, stocking shelves, driving uh, stuff to be delivered is not real work. And now they're just saying nobody wants to work because they can't get those conveniences anymore. 
Oh, there it is in the chat already, sir. Workers just need to be more patriotic. <laughs> uh, lead us in with the, what you were telling me before we came on. All right. So Elaine Chow, I guess that's how you say her name, um, who is uh, Mitch McConnell's wife and was the, I don't know if she, she was the like secretary of the labor board or whatnot. And yeah. she was on Bloomberg TV today, and they were talking about, um, you know, the economy and, you know, people rejoining the workforce. And this woman literally said that it is their patriotic duty to go out and fill these jobs to get the economy back on track. And then Twitter exploded afterwards. You know, mine was fine. Elaine, go flip burgers for minimum wage then. And I'd be just all over. So this person, you know, in a quote unquote position of power, tried to use this whole thing. If you don't want to go work an oppressive job, you're unpatriotic. <laughs> you know what? I oh shit, my airpod fell out of my ear. Oh lord. You know what I think you know what I think needs to happen? And this just came to me. They need to do it actually. You know what? You want to go flip burgers at McDonald's and uh, red, white, and blue? Go for it. Because then you will actually understand the bullshit that retail workers, fast food workers, hospitality workers deal with every damn day. And I guarantee you, a lot of them would come back and be like, actually, that's real work. Oh, yeah. And well, and to your point, you know, with the experiment, the gentleman applying for the different jobs like you said you know if he was applying just straight you know hospitality retail you know fast food yeah he would have got probably a whole lot of hits but you know you made the comment that you know all your life you've been told those jobs you know were you know minimum wage jobs and you're you're not going anywhere jobs for teenagers etc and mm -hmm. you know a couple episodes back we had an economist on from Wyoming and he made one of the biggest revelations that a lot of us had never heard especially with the you know these jobs are just for teenagers and his comment was if these jobs are just for teenagers how come businesses are open during school hours that's a very good point <laughs> like what are you going to do when the high schoolers aren't at McDonald's or at uh your Starbucks when you need to, when you're running late for work and you didn't have time to make breakfast that day and you drove by McDonald's and it was closed and you couldn't get your egg McMuffin. You, they, a lot of people would probably throw a fit and just be like, why isn't this open? Well, because it's real work. Adults work these jobs too. Uh, single moms work these jobs. Uh, fathers work these jobs to provide support for the family they are real working and, and this is going to this might be controversial i think the teenagers should have a livable wage too i think that if you are working you should not be in poverty period agreed i don't and think it's controversial but. no and i you know there was that sign that got posted around on, on twitter from some mcdonald's that had like three different age ranges with like three mm -hmm. different rates of pay mm -hmm. well ladies and gentlemen that's age discrimination <laughs> That is age discrimination, and like the fact that that was that that cleared some board somewhere. The fact that that cleared somewhere just shows you how out of touch 
employer class really is that they think that they can make these ridiculous demands and tear you off by age. Like, yeah. Surely somebody in a legal department, I'm pretty sure it was a franchisee and not a corporate McDonald's, but surely that franchisee has a fucking attorney telling him, no, nah, man, you can't do this. <laughs> well, if he That's has an attorney, he wasted his money. He <laughs> damn sure wasted his money. Well, but, the the economist, you know, his name was Nick Kolsch, and and he made a point, and you know, I had never really went back and read the verbiage, you know, of you know the minimum wage act, you know, from thirty eight, but I, mm-hmm. I went back after he mentioned this. It clearly states that the minimum wage, from its inception, was meant to be a livable wage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I. I believe FDR said that this is supposed to be the minimum wage is supposed to be livable. It's supposed to be for you to be able to support your family. And back then there was usually only one person, usually the male, of course, but he was supporting a family of three to four on a minimum wage. Mm -hmm. And in my lifetime, I'm in my 30s, and in my lifetime, there's no way anybody could sustain themselves on a single job that is a minimum wage. And I know that the minimum wage out west is, you know, $15, but that still doesn't get you very far. Because the cost of living is so damn high. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And in the southeast and midwest, there's still states that are paying $7.25. And even in the smaller towns, like maybe somewhere that works, but I don't see how anybody across the country could afford to live on seven twenty-five an hour. And that's not even mentioning that a lot of these jobs that do pay seven twenty-five an hour don't even work you forty hours a week. Nope. They work you twenty-eight to probably thirty, just right at that cusp where they don't have to give you benefits yeah and, and I, I, th- that's um you know the the one thing that really has stuck out to me during my entire journey doing this was just the one statistic that all right so the minimum wage hasn't raised since 2009 so it's been mm-hmm. 12 years yet the price of a single bedroom apartment average nationwide has went up like 36 percent mm-hmm mm-hmm and that's not even mentioned. That's it's only gotten worse because in August they said rent had risen twenty one percent this year, twenty one percent. And some people will look at that number and be like, "Oh, it's only twenty one percent." Well, if you look at how bad it was previously, adding another twenty one percent to people that already can barely afford to survive is just a slap in the face and like seeing people post, I don't want to go, I don't want to dog any politicians too long, but seeing people cheerlead what we're seeing right now, that the economy is doing better because (laughs) the job, the job rates are going up and unemployment's going down. Well, yeah, of course that happens when you cut unemployment benefits and they say, Oh, Wages are going up higher. Well, that's great. Awesome. But inflation's already wiped out half of those gains. Yep. And 
it's like people live in a bubble and they don't want to look what is happening to the working class in this country that their buying power is diminishing more and more every year their wages aren't going up their productivity is still going up and how can you just claim that you are you stand in solidarity with workers but cheerlead the fact that cheerlead propaganda to be frank cheerlead propaganda that everything is fine and things are getting better because they're not there's too many people out there that are working 50 to 60 hours minimum and they still can't afford to live so who the fuck are you trying to convince i think they're trying to convince themselves that it's not so bad because when you when you do look around and you realize how bad it is you start to question things and i also think some people just live head in the clouds and don't understand how things are failing and i i personal story is just like i had so many people like when i was managing restaurants they would tell my servers oh well good for you i'm sure you're doing well you know they probably weren't <laughs> Right. Be frank, because they, they, they've survived off your tips. And if you're only tipping 10 to 15%, they're not really getting super ahead. Or they, they would look down on them. I feel like the service industry has become very much people go there sometimes to just feel better about themselves, that they're not having to work menial jobs and basically dump all their emotional problems on people, but I'll try not to rant too much about the service industry. Well, but you're right though. I mean, you know, if your business model is set up to where you're going to pay, you know, a server $2 and 13 cents an hour, and Mm -hmm. you're expecting your patrons to make up the difference, Mm -hmm. uh, chances are in this day and age, you might not be running that business. (laughs) You know, yeah, it, no. it, it's, it's, no. it's terrible. And you sure, I mean, there are instances, you know, if you get the lucky break and you're in some like Michelin star restaurant or, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's, let's just face it. You know, there's restaurants geared, you know, towards men, whether it be Hooters or like tilted mm-hmm. kill or stuff like that. There's a lot of, oh, there, about those. yeah, that, that will make, you know, a shit ton of money. But, you know, for mm-hmm. your average Waffle House worker or your average, mm-hmm. you know, diner worker, they're not seeing that. And mm-hmm. and and the businesses don't care. I mean. No, they don't. They don't. They absolutely don't. And I still don't understand how, I mean, we talk about minimum wage, but I don't understand how in the year 2021, there hasn't been some sort of government oversight saying, look, you're going to quit paying people two thirteen an hour. You might as well mm-hmm. just pay them to seven twenty five or seven thirty five or whatever. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's just highway robbery at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily we are seeing some of that, not enough, but in the West coast, you're paid the minimum wage plus your tips. It's still ridiculous to try to afford anything on that. But in the Midwest and the Southeast, where they're still paid two thirteen, they are states that you know have less union presence, have uh, will to work states. Big one right there, where they're just like, you don't like it, tough shit, get out. Yep. So the workers really have been stripped of any kind of power to be like, no, 
I don't want to do this. 213, as you said, is highway robbery. And that's not even to mention that most restaurants, if they do offer benefits, they're almost impossible to get. I'll tell you from a restaurant man, former restaurant manager perspective that I was per- I was told to schedule my people right at that edge where they would never get their benefits, where they yep. would never get health insurance. That's common practice all across. You know, and there's and, so much. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, that's common practice all across. Well, we just had a comment in the chat, and and I and this is very profound, and I've believed this for a very long time. Uh, Russell says it's because the government is a business now, not a governing body. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, the government is a business, and even even if you're not, even if you are not completely cynical like me, you have to recognize how symbiotic that corporations and big business are intertwined into our government and that's why it is the way it is and that's been a long time coming the bastards frankly played a long game and they've been winning for a while yeah well here's i want to get your take on this too because i was asked this question and uh when i was doing the interview with insider today the question, you know, that I was asked is, do you believe the workforce, you know, this year has become more cognizant of their worth and how companies see them and treat them? And I said, yes. I mean, would you say it's the same? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say yes. Uh, do I think that there is a great labor awakening? I think it's too soon to to say yes on that. But I think that there is an awareness that people are saying that I'm worth this. My time is worth this much. And I'm tired of being poor or I'm tired of being overworked just to maybe maintain lower middle class or wherever you're at. And I think that that's why it's so important right now to highlight all these issues is because people are becoming more aware and i think we could very well be on a cusp of a great labor reawakening and the most important thing is that we keep up speaking out we keep up not accepting terrible wages terrible hours terrible working conditions and we stand up for ourselves and we organize, we, we organize, absolutely. Just that, that is the way forward is organizing unions. You know, the meme that hit Twitter about the movie Ants, mm-hmm. if that was not, uh, you know, that was extremely profound. You know, you've got like mm-hmm. this little ruling, little ruling class, the big bully ants trying to make sure that the, the ant workers don't realize there's more of them than they are the bosses. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I think that's where we're at right now. I, I really feel that change is coming. And I think, you know, I have a lot of fear for Black Friday this year. I really do. I, I, hope, it, I hope it goes oh, off God. without a hitch. But there's so much angst and so much rage, you know, from the consumer base along with the employee base that I think the retail industry might find themselves 
uh, up shit Creek without a paddle if they don't get behind their staffs here real soon, yeah. because, you know, you, you talk yeah, about no, the, the great resignation, they haven't seen anything because, you know, with this awareness no. of their worth and value, they know that this time of year, if you're going to hit them in the pocketbook, it's this time of year. If all of a sudden you have mass yeah, walkouts, absolutely. you know, in Q4, boy, mm. Elaine Chow going to get her chance to be patriotic and go run a cash mm-hmm. register. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, be uh, be there to you know deal with all the returns after Christmas too. I think personally, I don't shop on Black Friday. I refuse to because of the horror I witness working in retail and in hospitality on those days. The people were just awful, and I think that there should be a two prong approach to this. That absolutely that workers should use that leverage of the holiday season to be taken care of or to, you know, negotiate better wages. I know a lot of people, and this shows you just how, once again, how out of touch employers are. They're offering $2 raises, $1 raises only until January 1st. Mm -hmm. And then after the holiday season is, and they've extracted hours of labor from you probably loads of overtime if we're going with what's going on right now. And they're just going to be like, all right, thank you for taking care of us. And there's another thing, even before all of this, there's always like seasonal employees, like all these retail giants would hire seasonal employees to stock the shelves and run cash registers and then fire them after the first of the year. Oh, that was absolutely. Because they're no longer useful. Yeah, because, you know, every. I don't, I think we're going to see less of that. Yeah. Every job that I've had, you know, it's been like, okay, usually around, you know, September, October, there's some sort of manager's meeting where you sit down with your district manager and they start talking about the extra bodies that you need to hire. And, you know, and you're mm-hmm. instructed to tell them, you know, okay, this is temporary, you know, you know, we'll let you go basically on the 27th. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it actually runs longer because a lot of companies do their store inventories in January. So they milk that as much as they can. But the thing with the seasonal help yeah. is they, oh, absolutely. they expect these people to be on call 24 seven. And exactly. They can't yeah. and show up on their days. off, Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's always been ridiculous to me. And another thing, uh, I was always told, especially during my busy seasons, to hire people and uh, dangle the carrot in front of them and be like, if you do really good during this peak season, we might keep you on full time. Never did. Well, actually, you know, I did through my career get to keep a few, but not many. That's the thing that people have to to contend with. Yeah. Um, Irish Connection asked, has there been any other event or time in history where workers held more power than now? Uh, I would say there's been a couple of times we look back in history, French Revolution, <laughs> uh, previous general strikes, if we in historic, but in America, probably not in my lifetime or like in the last 50 years has there been this much of awakening the same uh, i just it, it or chance to have awakening yeah it, and it's just it's amazing to see actually i mean it's like i, I picked the perfect time to get out of management you know and it, it's just mm-hmm. been a marvel you know witnessing 
these people, you know, realize they're worth more. And trust me, I mean, you know, I'm at an age where a lot of people mm-hmm. my age don't think the way I do, you know, and and I've had to have discussions, you know, or people have had conversations with me mm-hmm. that they're just clueless. I mean, there there was a situation where somebody, you know, made some comment about the supply chain or whatnot, and, you know, they blamed it on a president. Ladies and gentlemen, the president has nothing to fucking do with it. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's go read what the truckers are saying. Go, go, go read, you know, read real accounts, you know, quit, quit, you know, politicizing everything. And and it's just, there's such a lack of understanding of business out there that it's just ridiculous. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything has been just derived of like destroyed where it's become just cheerleading for red, blue, red, mm-hmm. blue, red, blue. Like no matter what the problems are, they just blame the, per- the one side just blames the other side. And the president doesn't control the hiring practices of corporations uh, that are trying to lowball people to unload those uh, huge boats and trailers across the country. Uh, he doesn't control how much truckers are getting paid and why truckers are just being like, I don't, I can't do this. I need some time to myself while there's a trucker shortage and he doesn't control what Amazon does. He doesn't. And once again, they're, they're giving way too much credit to politicians when I don't think they have much power over corporate interests. Yeah. Whereas the corporate interests seem to have more power over the government. You've got like uh, the yeah, the national exactly. yeah the national exactly. retail re- and go ahead. The national retail federation. This is one that's gotten kind of oh, under. No, um, no, you kind of cut out on. Yeah, uh, blame tag and I have been on this kind of kick with uh, the national retail federation. You know, and they were pushing back you know the vaccine mandate and all that other stuff. And that's all irregardless. You know, we don't really worry about the the vaccine part of it. But the fact is, if you really read into their history mm-hmm. and whatnot, there's four uh, Congress people that were members of the national retail federation. And they brag about, you know, how that's their inside track to the government. Mm-hmm. So, bought, mm-hmm. bought and paid for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they are bought and paid for. Uh, they're bought and paid for on both sides at the end of the day, in my opinion. Uh, people get mad at me when I say they're two sides of the same coin. Sorry, that's how I feel. It's true. Uh, I won't go too far into that. But it's it's true that they're two sides of the same coin, and it doesn't. When we saw the failure of the minimum wage increase this year, it showed it showed to me that this distraction that they just blame two senators for blocking progressive legislation or blocking union act like the PRO Act for to strengthen unions and strengthen labor organizing that they're just like, well, two senators doing that. No, there's probably six more right behind them. And I say this because when we were trying to pass the minimum wage uh, and Bernie was just like, oh no, I'm going to take a stand. And six others joined the two bad senators 
and cutting the legs out from underneath them. They're just hate sponges. They're there in front to absorb all the hate and protecting other members of their caucus that are serving corporate interests too. I agree with that a hundred percent. And you know, it's to me, it goes back to the statement in the chat about, you know, the government being a business now and it's unfair. I mean, it's everything from, it just seems like anything that's going to benefit the working class, they just refuse to even acknowledge or pursue. You know, the, it's all about Wall Street. It's all about, you know, who their donors mm-hmm. are. It's all about who's bought and paid for. And, mm-hmm. you know, the saddest part of it all, I mean, we we, mm-hmm. we have a Congress that can't agree on, you know, medicine prices are way too high. I mean, they're not even really willing to take that on. And those are life-saving, you know, things. And it just shows that, you know how how bought they are yeah yeah I, absolutely and they have been talking about lowering prescription drug prices since i was old enough to remember and they're just now getting to it and possibly possibly we don't know we don't know if these uh the infrastructure or the build back better deal is are going to go all the way through. We don't know yet. But they've been talking about lowering prescription drug prices for decades. And there's all, I believe there's only five drugs that they're trying to lower, the, make it where they can negotiate the price. Five drugs out of how many drugs are available exactly. in the country. I mean, and it's... It's a sham. Yeah, and, and you know, the whole phrase, you know, the government's, you know, by the people, for the people. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. And, no. and, you know, uh, for the shareholders. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, what, you know, the other question that I was asked mm-hmm. is what do you think the end game is in all this? How much time do we have? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll try to keep it light, but I think the end game for it is complete control over everything where the government is based. I already feel like the government's pretty useless in its current form, but they don't want you organizing. They don't want you questioning anything, in my opinion, and that's why productivity has gone up, but wages haven't gone up. You have to stay busier than ever just to make ends meet, just to feed yourself, just to keep a shelter over your head. And they like that. It's I could go into all sorts of different things, but it is to extract as much labor from you at the lowest cost possible and make it where you cannot effectively stand up for yourself, where you cannot organize, where you cannot look for a better job, educate yourself, what have you, anything to achieve economic mobility. Because when you don't have that economic mobility, it looks really good to shareholders that your wages are terrible, but they're making hand over fist while you might have to skip a meal a week. Yeah, that's been my argument on on minimum wage, you know, because there's that whole myth that, oh, if they raise the wage, prices will go up. Well, no, 
that's been proven to be false. They're going up anyway. Well, yeah, exactly. And the the big thing about that is it really comes down to profit margins. And there are so many items out in, in you know, mm-hmm. stores and whatnot that the profit margins are, you know, 40 plus. And it just comes down to that these businesses refuse to take just a smidge off of their product their their profit margins to increase the pay mm-hmm. and it, and it's like okay fine the only reason that prices go yeah. up is because they don't want to lose that 45% margin they refuse to go down below that you know because that's who makes that's what makes the rich ones exactly. in the office richer and exactly. you know it, it's to me you know i've told the story you know when i worked for guitar center exactly. that was a place where i could actually see you know, in real time, okay, here was the cost of an item and here's what we're selling it for. And when you're looking at like guitars that were like $2,200, but the cost was a thousand. All right. So it's a $1,200 markup. Even then as a salesperson, you could navigate within that. Like if you're trying to close a sale, you could drop that. So an individual salesperson could do that, but a corporation Mm -hmm. will not do that at all. Yeah. No, they won't. No, they won't. And that's that's another argument on like my end of being working in hospitality for so long. They're like, well, if we pay cooks and servers more, my burger's going to cost fifteen dollars. Well, your burger costs fifteen dollars everywhere, and, and they're still making the same wage. Uh, and that's because the business owners or the corporations are doing, as you said, they don't want to lower the price. Or they don't want to cut into their profit margin. They're used to making hand over fist. And they're addicted to it, in my opinion. They're addicted to the power of money. And they're not going to stop unless there is a strong movement for change. Yeah, there, and and I think we're headed there. I really do. And, and like you said, I mean, it remains to be seen if if it's really mm-hmm. going to manifest. But where all signs indicate we're moving that way. Uh, one of the interesting statistics that was brought up to me today was, you know, during this interview, she had done some research on the uh, the anti work Reddit, and seeing, you know, back in October, it had like you know, X amount of members. And then, you know, all of a sudden it jumped up and doubled and whatnot, you know, and she asked me if I thought that was surprising. And I'm like, no, it's not. And I mean, and we can see it in these places. The biggest issue is, is this movement going to cause any kind of change to the way, just because we haven't seen it yet. And, you know, my, my wife made a comment one time that is um, pretty valid. It's like, a waiting game it's it's almost like the corporations are waiting it out till the movement loses steam they are absolutely 100 um comment says paying a higher wage helps economic growth the problem is those who don't want economic growth are afraid of losing the leverage and power yep absolutely 100 percent uh but on the labor movement reawakening we have all the ingredients there we have we have it all we have the foundation so to speak it's just can we build off of it and use that momentum going forward and right now what your wife said everybody's just trying to wait to see who blinks first yep exactly and the one thing i do give credit though do you believe i don't want to blink yeah do you believe that the exposure that the john deere strike and the kellogg strike and all that has gotten has helped 
important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that Kellogg's and John Deere and now Kaiser potentially on the 15th. Um, I think that has raised awareness more so because of the conditions of the pandemic and people recognizing like those are two of the ingredients is labor kind of starting to mobilize and go on strike and people being more sympathetic towards it because they're just like, I don't want to go back to retail. I don't want to go back to hospitality. And I think those two ingredients right there have built the foundation that we can build upon to strengthen labor again. Uh, but I absolutely do think that they have raised awareness on the issues. Another question came through. Uh, the question is, how do we protect our livelihoods in the event of a general strike? How do we protect? Um, organization. Organization. That I think to successfully launch a general strike, we need to organize a lot in the coming months, maybe years. It's not going to be a simple solution. But organization, mutual aid, and just creating a support system. So when the time comes, if we can execute a general strike, we can take care of ourselves. But I think that starts with organizing, organizing on a ground level and locally, organizing your workplace, uh, finding like-minded people in your community. Do you think that, or are you aware of any nonprofits out there that kind of have, you know, their purpose is to help people out, you know, if they do find themselves striking? Not off the top of my head. I know that there are people out there trying to create, I, there was a mutual aid network site that was around a while ago and I will see if I can find it again and forward it to people. But I know that if there is, if there is one, we need to build more of them. I agree. And that's a good place to start. You know, I think if people knew that there was help, I mean, and you know, we're not talking mm -hmm. about giving away the farm here, but if people knew that there was an avenue that, okay, they at least wouldn't be homeless and they wouldn't starve, you know, mm -hmm. you would see a lot more of this gain steam because I mean, that fear is real because a mm -hmm. lot of these same people that oh, they want to organize or whatnot are terrified because they've got families. They're already living paycheck to paycheck as it is. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's a frightening thing. So I think, you know, going forward, if there's a pathway to where people can at least have that security that, you know, they're not going to lose their life, you know, to stand up for this. And I think that's where the corporations are, you yeah. know, like you said, you know, waiting for the other side to blink because that's where they got them by the balls. They already know they're paying them shit wages and they're living paycheck to paycheck. And it's like, Absolutely. they're daring them to do something basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a game of chicken. It is a game of chicken. And that is why organizing and supporting current strikes and strike funds is important because if, you, if you're able to just donate a little bit to a strike fund, whether it is the John Deere workers, whether it is the Kellogg workers, uh, that helps them and it, and it shows that we can do this, that we can build networks where if we dare to wait for corporations to blink that we're not all going to be in financial ruin. And I think that that 
is why organizing and supporting general labor movements right now that are fighting back is so important. Um, Mariah Karen in the um, chat says uh, they tried to Google around their area, you know, for like a nonprofit and said, maybe we need a a resource that names these places. That's probably a good idea. Some sort of database to where people can go to. Um, I I 100% Also, Irish Connection asks, do you think that benefits should be tied to a full-time job? Personally, no, I think part-timers should get benefits. Personally, because of just how greedy corporations are and me being in management for so long and knowing that holding full-time as the gateway to getting health care to getting personal days, just getting the basic needs that you should get as a worker and making it unachievable is wrong. So I think that part-timers should absolutely get healthcare and benefits. I agree with that. Although that the prices of the premiums need to be regulated because that's another thing, you know, you got a lot of full-time people out there that the wages are so bad Absolutely. That the insurance is highway robbery and it's way too expensive, and that they can't afford exactly, it anyway. And they opt out not to get it, and you know, yeah. and you know, I went on that rant the other day about insurance, about the fact yeah. that okay, you might be extremely healthy and pay X amount of dollars a week for like five years, and then you quit that job and go somewhere else and have a different health care plan. Well, you just gave all that money away. You ain't getting a dime of that shit back. There's no, I mean, they call it benefits, but where's the benefit to that? We shouldn't, you know, um, exactly. And it's, it's such a healthcare is such a racket in this country. And unfortunately what happens, and this is a thing that like I tell people that lean a little more right than me, particularly my family, uh, that when they're just like, I don't want to pay for somebody else's health care. I don't want to pay for their food stamps. I'm like, you're paying it anyway. Yes. Because people like Walmart and other retailers for years have been abusing and have even encouraged their workers to get on uh, state-based health insurance, get on food stamps, get on WIC all these programs. So you're paying for it anyway. So why don't you demand that the corporations pay a livable wage and offer decent benefits anyways? Well, that's a brilliant point because there's so many people who don't understand the breakdown of where their state tax money goes. You know, you've been paying into those systems the entire time you've been working. You, mm-hmm. you've, you say you don't want to pay for those things, but guess what? You have been and you've been over and you took it mm-hmm. and you're only complaining because somebody who might mm-hmm. actually need it is using it, you know, and yeah, it drives and, me and that's the thing that killed me about, you know, the extended unemployment. I do believe that that did help heal some people in such a way that it made them realize mm-hmm. they were worth more because to somebody who's mm-hmm. worked a full-time job, however many years, all of a sudden you get laid off due to the pandemic. And, you know, the companies use this extra mm-hmm. money as an excuse to feel better about letting you go. All of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, how am I making more money doing this mm-hmm. when I was busting my ass and not making ne- it, it? That did something to people that, that business doesn't understand. It gave them value and worth. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the few times, actually, that you could actually say yep. the government actually looked out for people, you know, and because one of the few yeah, times. <laughs> because on the surface, it actually would think it would seem like, OK, the government thinks I'm worth more than my employer. <laughs> and it, yeah, yeah, like and. One thing I want to say about that is that nobody questioned, like so many people, like nobody wants to work. They're making more on, off of unemployment than they are uh, working. Nobody questions why those people were working for so little before mm-hmm. <laughs> before COVID happened. What it, that you should be mad about that. You shouldn't be mad that you had to wait. 10 extra minutes on your appetizer at Chili's. You should be mad that corporations are paying less than unemployment was offering while getting government money themselves Mm -hmm. and using tax loopholes to pay the minimum. Or like you're right. That's one of the biggest things. Well, you know, the other part of it too is, and I'm convinced a lot of the hatred was was just that. It was hate and jealousy that they weren't able to do the same. You know, you've got people that worked in these businesses for years. You know, they... they I think so, too. I think it was a lot of resentment. Yeah, they needed a break. They got a break, all right? And the people that weren't able to get a break are all pissed off, you know? And, and that just shows kind of the state of where we're at and, and, and selfishness. It's like, mm-hmm. wouldn't you, as a good human, be okay that somebody's doing all right? You know, why are you, I mean, not to get biblical, but, you know, thou shalt not covet, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, shouldn't you be happy right. for it, But they couldn't. You know, there there was a resentment because some people found themselves working in, quote, unquote, essential businesses, and they had to. Just, no, they yeah, and, and they were just angry. But, you know, at the same time, mm-hmm. they didn't want us to think that, okay, maybe some long-term employee mm-hmm. got laid off, and they needed this to survive. Didn't care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and that shows that resentment comes from a certain place, in my opinion. It comes from them being taken advantage of for years by their company. And suddenly, the two doors down, the business wasn't declared essential, so they got to go home and relax maybe not even relax but you know get paid decently while you still had to work like i can understand that resentment but you're focusing that resentment at the wrong people you're focusing it on the people and not the employers that have been taking advantage of you for years it's just misdirected and it was purpose it's been purposely misdirected it was purposely misdirected by our media and and the workforce missed a golden opportunity because right when that happened what if all the people that were working in the essential business said fine if you don't pay us what they're getting we're walking out i agree i agree i wish we would have seen more of that at the time but I think a lot of us, when the pandemic first happened, we didn't, we thought it would be like, oh, a three to maybe two month reprieve. At least that was 
how a lot of people I knew that weren't paying attention to the news or paying attention to what was going on felt that they were just like, oh, this is just temporary. And here we are almost two years later, still feeling the aftershocks. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Irish Connection, you know, is literally in Ireland. And and he posted, retail is shit in Ireland, but the USA has a lot more problems. You guys need to unionize. God, yes. God, yes. Uh, The fact that we are so, like other countries, uh, pay their retail workers and their hospitality workers better than us. And we're supposedly the the sole superpower of the world. (laughs) Uh, It's it's such a joke when I, when I view very much that we are a failing state. Well, when, you know, Irish and I had an episode where we just kind of talked about the differences between here and Ireland and, and he was really, you know, taken aback, you know, their minimum wage is higher there than here. I mean, mm-hmm. and like you said, we're supposed to be the leaders of the free world, you know, and I, and I think a lot of people laugh at us now. Oh, they do. Absolutely. Like there's so many people that I've met online and in my, in real life that are from different countries. And they're just like, what the fuck? You guys accepted this bullshit? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? I'm just like, that is lots of uh propaganda at work yeah it, it's uh i just it, it makes me sad because you know growing up you know as a young boy you know you learn things and, and and this patriotism that you know child talks about you know it did mean something at one point in time but now that patriotism has turned into basically it's almost mm-hmm. like a barter system you know you have to be patriotic at a cost. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it's yeah. it's just amazing to me because, and I, and I don't understand, you know, the, yeah. the state of humanity right now where people are okay, that people are suffering. I mean, what does that say about us as a species? It is something that we will have to rectify down the road if we are to be successful at organizing most definitely that we have to recognize that the system while it is rigged by cheering on the people that are suffering the most you're only helping you know validate that horrible system and i think so many people have been just hit in the head with lies such as the welfare queen or lies that immigrant workers to be is what we're dealing with and been dealing with for a long time of blaming people from south of the border are stealing your jobs and that is that is a problem that we need to recognize that we've been blaming at least a huge chunk of the population has been blaming the wrong people for a long time And they should be blaming the people up top who are shipping jobs off or hiring illegals for illegal wages because they're illegal and they can't. They're getting paid under the table or people on food stamps or on welfare that that has been misdirected for years by politicians, frankly, on both ends, in my opinion, as well as our media. 
And that is a good thing that we are seeing today of people actually questioning mainstream media and questioning corporations because there is an awakening happening on that end too where people are just like no this this isn't right they're the ones that are taking advantage of all of us right you know and the the point you make about you know the the illegal immigration thing that stuff wouldn't go on if these companies weren't trying to find a way to cheat exactly i mean exactly it's, they, it's so don't they find a way to pay right lower. and so don't like you said don't get mad you know at the group that decides okay we're going to bond together and we're going to get this money under the table i get that and i understand all right but you're right it's a misplaced mm -hmm. anger you should be angry at the person who doesn't want to operate mm -hmm. their business legitimately I mean, we got yeah. tons of people that, that doesn't want to pay you fairly in what you're worth. You should be angry. At right. That. I mean, case in point is, you know, if you're really concerned about humanity and how people are treated, I would think the American public will stop buying anything from coming from China, but they don't. <laughs> you got iPhones being manufactured. No, no you know, they, don't. they don't because it's going to be exactly. And, and I just, you know, working in the business as long as I did. You know, if I, you know, I finally, I guess, broke probably about five years ago, but it, it's, mm -hmm. you know, people are so entitled right now and they, they use that mm -hmm. entitlement, like you said, to misdirect their anger and their, their lack of care for their, you know, common human is abhorrent. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And it's something that we need to rectify down the road. Um, another reason I, and this just came to my head is like where I'm, where my family is and where I'm originally from had lots of manufacturing jobs at one point. And most of those jobs closed in my lifetime and got shipped overseas and people had good paying jobs suddenly didn't have good paying jobs and they had to, you know, shift careers and they ended up in jobs that didn't pay as much as what they're used to make. And once again, instead of blaming the corporations for being like, we're going to shut your factory down and make it harder for you and your family, they blame everybody. They got them to blame everybody else except for, the CEOs and the shareholders. Well, you know, it's the same way in the area I grew up in. You know, we used, we used to have a lot of textile manufacturing here. A lot. And through the years, you know, the factories closed down, the factories closed down. It's not like that stuff stopped being, you know, being made. It was these businesses, you know, found a way out and then shipped everything overseas. Mm -hmm. And there again, like you said, people want to people want to blame a government for that yeah. instead of blaming, you know, whatever corporation, you know, let's talk about Apple. You know, they don't want to blame Apple for, you know, because as long as they get their iPhone, but they don't want to, you know, talk mm -hmm. about Apple outsourcing all their work to basically labor camps in China. You know, it's we'll turn the blind out of that. Yeah. We'll find somebody to be mad at, except the entity. Yeah, and we as consumers, I do believe we have some responsibility ourselves because we signed off on it. That we were just like, okay, yeah, 
maybe not me and you, but people in the past when they first started shipping these jobs out overseas or, you know, paying lower wages. And we signed off on it by participating and buying these goods at these cheap prices. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, we're all at some point complicit. The difference is realizing that you were complicit and trying to rectify it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And blaming the right people instead of letting people, letting these people that want to be absolved of blame and just run off with their huge yachts and their 24 car garages, uh, misdirect our anger at the wrong people. Yeah. Almost seemingly by design, huh? Mm-hmm. Very by design. Uh, and I hope that as we become more aware that we're able to realize that, yeah, I might have to pay. Like me personally, I wouldn't mind paying a buck or two more for a burger if I knew that that buck or two was making sure a cook or a server had food on their table that night and had the chance to have economic mobility. I don't care about that personally. I, I, just don't. I, I don't care about paying more if it goes to the worker, but the problem is every time you pay more, it goes to the corporation. Yeah. And, and exactly. And, and, exactly. And it's just, we have, we have to figure out a way to get that to the worker. Absolutely. All right, my man, we're at an hour. I have enjoyed this greatly. You want to do this again? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, I think this would be fun. We, we, we need. We, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely down to do it again. Uh, we'll, yeah, we need. We we need to like pick. We just need to start our own series and just call it a day. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, but but thank you for so much for having. Hey, me. anytime. It's been a pleasure. Um, I know I'm sitting here looking at numbers. It looks like we have some frame drops and all this other stuff. I think Restream was fucking up the night. So I don't know. I got to go check out and see what's going on there. Cause I pay for that service. They don't need to be fucking up. <laughs> so be like, what are you guys doing? But, um, guys, no, hell no. No. Yeah. Get your shit. Exactly. Together. Um, guys, uh, so Wednesday we're doing the mental health night where we're going to have several members from the, the Twitter family on telling their story. So it's going to be cool. So be sure to check that out. Also, I rescheduled today. We're going to have target workers unite, a representative from them on Monday. 